Hello, friends, and welcome to the Particularly Peculiar Podcast, episode number 12. In this episode, we will be covering Stonehenge. Who built it? How the heck did they build it? And what crazy things did they use it for? My name's Christian. My name's Taylor. And we are your hosts. We are here to talk about all things strange, unusual, and just plain peculiar. And to all of our repeat listeners, welcome, peculiar people, and to those listening for the first time, the peculiar people, welcome you. Today is the 3rd of July, as we're recording this, and it is a beautiful night, and we have neighbors about a quarter mile away, we live out in the country, they are just blasting off the fireworks Yes. right now. So if you hear some loud banging noises... That's all that is. And they got a lot. Yeah, they've been lighting them off for the past two hours. Yeah. Pretty much nonstop. It's been a great show. It really has. They it's, have a lot of good ones. We can see it straight out of our living room window. Yeah. So it's been nice for us. Right. And we only got a little bit of fireworks. So that's nice that, you know, they spent all the money and they can, you know, light them off and we can just watch. It's like our own personal firework display. That's right. <laughs> Well, before we get into today's really interesting topic, I found a couple things on the web to talk about before. Okay, Grandpa. <laughs> on the on the interweb. The interwebs. And <laughs> pretty, I don't know, interesting, mostly just kind of funny things. The last one I brought was a little... Dark. Yeah. So what I found was a funny story, and I was telling you about this before we started recording. That's me, Taylor. Yeah, (laughs) Taylor. And you had said that you had heard about this, and it's pretty funny but weird um, that the apparently there was a a man who was dressed as an old woman in a wheelchair who threw a piece of cake at the Mona Lisa. Yes. And was inevitably detained and taken off of the property shouting something about uh like the planet and the environment oh i didn't know he was like shouting something wild that makes it way weird like way more weird yeah so he was as they were pulling him out he was saying think of the earth there are people who are destroying the earth think about it artists tell you think of the earth that's why i did this he says (laughs) So, oh, so was he just doing it as like he knew that if he destroyed or you know, whatever messed with the Mona Lisa, he would be like rushed essentially and then he could shout his, yeah. like, okay, mm-hmm. I thought it was like something to do with the Mona Lisa, like, think of the earth, like, this artist oh. was, t- you know, whatever, right? No, yeah, I think he did it as an act to get publicity and right. then say, you know to protect the earth i mean great idea but also no one actually knew well i didn't know i didn't see it anywhere what he actually said and i don't think they're really gonna listen to that well i mean it's out there now it's out there but obviously most people just hear the guy dressed as an old lady in a wheelchair throws cake at mona lisa yeah and that's it (laughs) which um i didn't know this but they have uh they have it surrounded in glass yes makes sense and uh, it's said that they did that in the 1950s because 
it was damaged due to an acid attack. Which is so weird. Like, why do you want to destroy this painting, this piece of art? That's kind of a strange thing to me is like, why do people find it necessary to, you know, deface right. something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And Like, just to draw attention to themselves like this guy? Right. Must be. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Which fun fact about the Mona Lisa is that it was painted by Leonardo da Vinci between 1503 and 1519. So it's an old ass painting. <laughs> that is an old ass painting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The cheeks. <laughs> uh, terrible. <laughs> so uh, the other story that I found, uh, uh, kind of interesting. <laughs> I don't. I know I'm not uh, really playing it up there, but... So there was this stone tablet, a marble slab, they say, that was uh, had been kept in storage as a piece of archaeology. And when they, ha- they have now decoded what it says, and they found out that it's a yearbook. <laughs> Which... So what does it say for them to determine that it's a yearbook? Is um, there pictures? Is there school pictures in there? Yeah, so it says on there it lists uh names and then it says that they were uh, graduates of a military training class i think that's really interesting like i almost feel like we forget that all this documented history is somewhere that we have not found you know what i mean like there's stuff out there like that that's not found yet, hasn't been dug up yet, right. or has been destroyed in the past, or just hasn't been translated yet. Like, it's could, amazing. Could you imagine being the person to find something like this? I mean, you're absolutely amazed. And imagine it's even your first archaeological find. You take it back to the, you know, the lab or wherever, <laughs> back to the research center. And, you know, you find out that it's a yearbook. I mean, I hope they weren't thinking that it was like uh, some uh, secret code to unlock the power of the ancients. Well, even if they did think that, they never knew what it was because it's been in storage for 130 (laughs) years. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, really just a pretty interesting find. And the tablet itself is 2000 years old. So it's pretty cool that they were doing that even back then. And they said that uh, not all the names were just full names. Some of them were like nicknames, like shortened versions of regular Greek names. So let's get into the thickness of today's topic. Speaking of thick. Two C's. We're talking about thick stones. Thick stones. They are big, thick stones. And aligned in a circle. Shout out to uh, 30, Dirty, and Dying. They... Uh, hit us up, said they actually were just discussing Stonehenge in their last topic and were uh, woefully uninformed. And so if you're listening, here's all that information. I compiled it just for you. Shots fired. Shots <laughs> fired. Yeah, that was a good episode. Uh, go check them out. Yeah, when you're great. When you're done with this completed episode. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> On the Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, England, rests a prehistoric monument built some 5,000 years ago during the Neolithic era. A huge arrangement of massive stones known as Stonehenge has captivated all who have come across it. 
It has been the center of many myths and legends throughout its history, some more peculiar than others. The construction of this British icon is estimated to have taken a staggering 1,000 years, between the years 3000 and 2000 BC. So I never really knew that it took that long to build. I mean, I would imagine it would take quite a long time because they're huge stones, but a thousand years they were working on this thing. And right. uh, it was built in uh, several different phases. Which is also then like who and why? Because, right. you know, who would commit to doing that over 1,000 years? That's mm -hmm. obviously not one artist, you know, that's oh, putting yeah, that's... up a... It's many, many generations. Of course. Many. Unless it was like a vampire or something. Right. Or an alien. Oh, God. I'm getting ahead of, our sh I'm getting yeah. ahead of myself. <laughs> Sorry. The monument at its completion around 2000 BC is believed to have contained nearly 80 sarsen stones weighing up to 50 tons apiece, as well as around 45 smaller spotted dolerite stones known as the blue stones, which were transported from nearly 120 miles to the west in the Priscilla Hills. So it's not like they were all just laying there and they just figured out how to like stand them up. Right. A lot of them came from pretty far away. Yeah. The outer circle was comprised of 30 vertical sarsen stones at 13 feet tall and 7 feet wide, with 30 horizontal lintel stones resting on top. And Which is massive. Yeah, they are very large. And these ones, I believe, uh, weighed around 25 tons apiece. 25 tons? Yeah, 25 tons, each individual stone. Oh, and God. So uh, a lot of you kn know the pictures of Stonehenge and can kind of look at it. We'll post some pictures on our Instagram as well. But so there's two vertical stones, and then there was a flat one laid across the top and what's cool is that they used when they carved them they carved like a tongue and groove style notching system so the bottom stones had bumps on the top and then the top stones had like uh, impressions in them so they would all fit snugly almost like giant legos so these stones they knew they were going to be doing this with yes they were planning that yep yeah this was like purely intentional the second circle contained 30 of the six and a half foot tall blue stones, which surrounded the inner 15 trilithons, 10 upright and five lentils weighing up to 50 tons apiece and ranging from 20 to 24 feet tall. So these are the giant stones that are in the middle. It's kind of in a horseshoe shape and these are some of the biggest stones involved. Now, the altar stone in the middle, which was inside of those trilithons, was an even bigger stone. I can't remember exactly how much that one weighed, but it was just absolutely massive. Inside of this innermost circle lays the altar stone, believed to be the center of many paganistic rituals. There are several other single stones around the perimeter including the Slaughter Stone and the Heel Stone, located at the center of the northeastern entrance. Circling the entire structure are dug ditches, which is where the title gets the word henge, because apparently those are called henges. Okay. I guess, <laughs> which is H-E-N-G-E. 
The entire monument was constructed in such a way that if an observer, on the morning of the summer solstice, stood inside the inner circle and looked to the northeastern entrance, they would see the sun rise between two standing stones directly in line with the point of the heel stone. So you can look this up as well, or we'll post pictures to our Instagram. The sunrise on the summer solstice, the morning of, when it rises, if you're staring directly to the northeast, which they put the entrance right there, right in between two of those outer stones, there's the heel stone, which is quite a ways away from those stones. It's set kind of far off, and it's pointed. Well, the sun comes up directly like through that point of that rock, straight up through. And, I mean, the way that they were able to do this is... I mean, it's incredible because that the sun moves where it rises from on the horizon all throughout the year. Right. So only on that day does it rise, you know, from that specific point. And think about how exact, exact you would have to be for that mm-hmm. to work. Because they only have one day. A year. One day a year yeah. to get that right. So like, yeah. was that just made last? And if that was made last... How did they figure where the rest were going to go? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, that's just wild. Yeah, the construction of this, I mean, was to the precision of, like, what we think of with the pyramids. You know, the yeah. way that everything was constructed so perfectly. And what we see is ruinous, but they have depictions of what they imagine it looked like when it was first completed. I mean, and it's an incredible piece of work. Yeah. And... I mean, it, it still, I mean, it is now even. Yeah, it's still amazing. And yeah. the, there's just, a lot of it has fallen over, but you can still picture, just looking at what it is now, how it probably was. Right. Yeah, it's really pretty cool. The civilization that constructed Stonehenge left no written record about how or why the site was ever constructed. That they know of. Yeah, I mean, there could be something either buried somewhere or just... Anywhere. Uh, Which it could be on another location, which I'll get to here in a second. So, yeah, they left no written record about how or why the site was constructed, leaving many to speculate about the answers to those questions. As far as how it was built, it's really difficult to imagine exactly by what means this feat was possible. I had mentioned earlier that some of these stones were transported nearly 120 miles from their original location, which is wild. Especially if they're 25 tons. Uh, these ones were smaller. Okay. These ones were these six were and a half foot. These were 15 tons? <laughs> honestly, I don't remember. I must not have wrote that down. Uh, I'll figure it out. But honestly, these, yeah, so these were six and a half feet tall and like they're a little smaller. They're still heavy as all get out yeah seriously right so these blue stones uh found at stonehenge can only be found naturally in the priscilla hills which is over 100 miles west of the building site of stonehenge and one theory as to how they got there is that they fashioned rollers out of logs and rolled the stones to the coast put them on rafts floated them along the Welsh coast to the River Avon and then worked their way up the river towards Salisbury Plain. Yeah, that seems like quite a lot of work to put some rocks 
hey, they had a thousand uh, years. Hell, I don't know. <laughs> so, and I mean, it's crazy. And so I got a lot of this information from uh, YouTube. The History Channel has a good a short like four minute video mm-hmm. about it and they have like a, a a little map where it shows their estimated route of travel to get these stones there and it is wild i mean to think about how long that even took you know to because there was what did they say there was about 45 of them on site and some estimate as many as 80 were on site at stonehenge so to get 80 of them there i mean they had a thousand years but Whoa. So they were dedicated. So the next question is, why these stones? Why did they have to have these stones and not ones that were closer? Well, I also wonder, was there like no history that you found of like uh, any sort of flooding or anything like that that could have gotten them over there? Uh, No. I mean, I wouldn't imagine they would carry all those rocks, you know, over there, but... Right. Um, I... I didn't see anything like that, and I would imagine that you know, some of these would researchers would yeah. say, you know, if there was a known flood, if there was known flooding at the time, you know, or roundabouts, but it's, I mean, that is a possible explanation. Um, so, so yeah, why these stones, these specific ones? Well, it is thought that the same exact blue stones located at Stonehenge were originally part of another stone circle that was located at the Priscilla Hills. So what they're saying is that where these stones are naturally located, these people had already made a stone circle there because there are impressions in the ground at Priscilla that are nearly identical to some of the stones that are at Stonehenge. Hmm. They've like measured the bottoms of these stones and everything and compared them to the impressions that are at the grounds over at Priscilla Hills. And they say they match up, you know, 99.9% nearly identical. So it's thought that they had, that they had a stone circle already that was sacred to them. And that's why they needed these specific stones. So they took whatever means necessary to get them there. That's just so odd. Yeah. Like, why the move, first of all? Yeah, I can't exactly remember why they had to move, but uh, it is believed that that civilization once resided in that location and then moved east. Right. Um, And that's why they brought them with. Which that would make sense if that was like their thing of worship or something like that. I feel like there was some sort of civil unrest maybe uh, in the area and they left... Uh, I'll have to look. But more also, into that. if that's the case, again, are you gonna? If it's like a dangerous situation or something like that, are you gonna take the time to dismantle this thing and then take take it with right. you? And that takes a thousand years. Yeah, so it must have been a different reason. Than I mean, that I don't moved. know. Maybe it wasn't, but right. it's just it's just an odd. It would be an odd reason. Yeah. So crazy that they got these stones from so far away and a lot of the other stones were mined nearly 20 miles away and these were the big giant ones that weighed anywhere from 20 to 50 tons a piece that they got from 20 miles away which i don't believe involved much waterway passage mostly what they believe is that it was just logs 
that they just rolled. You know, you'd roll it far enough to get one log out, put it in front, roll it on top of that one, get the other log out, put it in front. No wonder just, it took a thousand years. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, crazy that they got all of these there. And this is like real, you know? I mean, the thing is there. The, I mean, it stands there today. And they, you know, they can use science to figure out that where these stones came from. And yeah. it's just crazy. So that leads us to why. Why go through the tremendous effort of constructing such a massive monument? The most accepted reason is that the location was some form of burial grounds. Mm. Over 50,000 cremated bone fragments from an estimated 63 bodies were discovered originally over a century ago. They were thought to be unimportant at the time, and they were reburied. Why would you think they were unimportant? <laughs> right. Why the hell would you think that? I think, so when they found them, which I said was over a century ago, they were looking for something else. They were just like, oh, it's just it's just bones. Like, we'll oh, just put them back. But, it's just human remains. But what they did is they buried them all, like, in the same location. So they were like, we'll look at these later, you know? <laughs> Um, I literally, you guys, I had my forehead in my hands and I'm like rubbing my eyes like <laughs> if you need like, a visual. They're I'm like, just like, what the? They're like, oh, bones? Nah, we'll just put those over here. This can't <laughs> give us a clue to anything at <laughs> <Yeah>. all. <laughs> right. <laughs> what? So Get it together, guys. Yeah. Jesus. So the original location where they found these bone fragments was underneath each one of these, what they call the Aubrey circle. So on the very outside of Stonehenge, as we see it today, there are impressions where stones used to be, but they're just not there anymore. And I'm not sure where they went to. Maybe they moved them to another location, you know, just like they've moved them from the one to here. Underneath these impressions, they found a body, a cremated body, buried under each one, all the way around the perimeter. So, really, I mean, pretty interesting. So, that's that's where they come up with this idea that it was a burial site. And some even think that maybe this was the end, this location was maybe the end of like a funeral procession, where the body was inevitably cremated and then buried there. So, that you know, they trekked them out there on a whole procession and then took care of the body while they were there. So that to me seems very logical. So a lot of these theories don't have to be like individual. Like it can't, it doesn't have to be just one, you know, there's right. a lot they of these theories. Tie in together. Yeah. They could be used for many different things, especially since it's been around for so long. Other theories suggest that this was a place for celestial observation Seeing as the construction was almost obviously around the sun and the moon, this is the most believable, I think. You know, they, they absolutely had this celestial... Knowledge. Yeah. And that's, you know, why they built it the way they did. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, because it's, it lines up so well. find it very hard to be a coincidence. Right. I agree. So this theory has... Many levels of belief to it, though. 
So some just stop with the passive observation of the skies. Others go much deeper. It has been thought that the site was actually a means of either communication or teleportation to other worlds and beings. There are people who believe this site was possibly either a super advanced piece of technology that they used to quickly transport across space or some form of spacecraft landing pad. So it gets pretty wild and some of the theories that you can find out there, there's even depictions of these, you know, big technology centers that they think, you know, these stones used to be like powered and have like this aura and they could like, you know, they would hone in to this like beam of light in the middle, you know. So the pyramids actually were thought to be covered in like a sort of like a limestone or mm -hmm. something. So it was like smooth. It was smooth, but they also thought that there it like could, I don't know if that caused anything, but it was like it somehow generated power yeah. within the uh, pyramid. And I don't know when was the pyramids made. I don't even know, but um, which that's a whole other episode that we will have to dive into. But there we go. Um, the thing is, is that it just makes sense that people or civilizations that were making these big, huge monuments or whatever they may be would have the same shared knowledge because the Egypt, the pyramids of Egypt also have a relation to the sun and moon, I believe. Yeah. They also line up in a particular way. Right. So it's like, I feel like it had to have been common knowledge mm -hmm. that for some reason we don't understand well and yeah and the grand scale yeah of some of these things you know when you go to the pyramids the way that some of them line up they're so far away but you look like at but an aerial view perfect yeah you look at an aerial view of it and they line up with all this stuff and there's no way they could have seen that you know if they and only guessed they're like right. eh, i might this might go here yeah if they only had <laughs> the technology that you know, most science believes that they had at the time, you know, minus any extra help. It's impossible. There's no way they could have like actually known that. You just like step it out like one, two, three, you know, like roughly I mean, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know. 70 feet and maybe like two toes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. So it, I mean, it seems like a lot of these really ancient structures just points that direction. Yeah two aliens yeah these theories were amplified when one day in 1996 a large crop circle in the field adjacent to the stonehenge site site was found this specific crop circle is known as the julia set oh okay and if okay. you <laughs> if you look it up or go to our instagram we'll have pictures it's a really pretty crop circle i'm looking it up right now i think and uh, the Julia set comes from some sort of mathematical uh, calculation or like depiction of a calculation, something. I started to look into that and then it was like incredibly complex. But the crop circle itself is really, is really pretty cool. Did you know that Britain has like the most or just the UK in general has like the most crop circles ever? I did not know Like, that. they are the highest rate of crop circles for some reason. Interesting. It is very interesting. But they have 
things like the Stonehenge and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like if they are, if that was there for some reason for aliens, maybe they are still communicating. Yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like. In that way. Yeah. In that area. And this Julia set, like I said, just happened in 1996. So it's not even like it's all super old. Like they're still, still, if, you know. If you believe in crop circles, that it's done by aliens and not like a hoax. I mean, some of them. Then they're still coming back. Can't be explained otherwise. Yeah. Truthfully. And, and this one, like I said, is like pretty cool. So I think, I mean, all crop circles are pretty cool. Yeah. And there's other theories uh, about the usage of Stonehenge. One is as a sort of like an amphitheater type mm. thing or like a sound some like special sound thing so that if I think what it said is that if there was two fiddlers playing in the middle of Stonehenge, they would like cancel each other out. Like as you walked around Stonehenge, I think as the sound you would hear one and then you would hear the other and then you would hear none, even though they were still playing Weird. and you could see them playing. You wouldn't hear them just because of the way that it was constructed. You know, the sound bounced off all of them and I don't know. Okay, but was there even fiddles in the year of whatever, 1300 or whatever it was? Well, this yeah, this was 2000 BC when it was completed. Oh, Um, (laughs) 1300. But I mean, but it was there in 1300. Well, yes. I mean, I don't know how much was standing. But but. I mean, like, what were they doing in... um, if it was some sort of sound or like amphitheater thing, like was there, I mean, if they're making this, I'm sure there was some sort of musical instruments. Right. But I guess I'm just thinking for figuring it out. I don't know if that would be a a reason to build it. So what's cool is the music thing ties in in a whole other way. So they used to have this event there called the Stonehenge Free Festival. And this was a festival that ran from 1974 and 1984 and took place in June, which is near the summer solstice. So this was uh, kind of during the hippie movement. Mm. And uh, they had another location that they were doing these free musical events. I mean, they're really just gatherings that there happens to be musicians playing at as well. Well, they were kicked out of that other location, so they started doing them in Stonehenge. And it was nearly 10 years that they were doing them every year until the event ended violently in what's known as the battle of beanfield yeah not a <laughs> i mean not a great we have beanfields all around our house yeah um so on june 1st 1985 1300 police officers prevented around 600 travelers from setting up the festival so when they arrived to set it up, it was... 1,000? 1,300 police officers, it says. Stop. Where did they find all these police? Like, were all, they all on the same Just force? all what the heck? in the surrounding areas. They they rounded everybody up, and they were like, we need to stop these people. They were like, take people. the day off from the other crimes that are going on, okay? <laughs> yeah, we need to stop these people who are setting up to play music. Oh, gosh. And smoke the reefers. Not the weed. So a violent battle broke out between the two groups because obviously they still wanted to have the festival, and then, you know, there was, there was just this big clash, and it ended up um, 537 of the attendees 
were arrested out of the 600. So nearly everybody that showed up was arrested. And for what reason? Was this just they just didn't want them to do it or what? Yeah. Yeah. So the the property changed hands many times. Mm. Well, it's it's now owned. uh, It's now owned by the crown. So, you know, it's it's like a a royal. I was going to say, who the hell owned it before? Yeah. So it went through, I think, different uh, conservative or not conservative. It went through it went through different. Yeah. Conservation groups and Mm -hmm. things. And then, yeah. So now it's owned by the crown and it's closed off all the time. You can't go in it or anything. The only time they open it up is on the summer solstice. And they say that like 10,000 people show up on the summer solstice and go. I saw a picture of like the, it's essentially like a street or a road Mm -hmm. right by Stonehenge. It must've been on that day and it's completely packed and you can't even go on the grass. Yeah. It looked like it thought just the road is full. Oh, right. I guess I don't know if they were like waiting to go in or something. Probably. Yeah. So you're allowed to touch the stones and everything on. So that only is that like, day. why? That's weird. Well, they just, I mean, they're worried about vandalism because they have experienced vandalism in the past. And, you know, they're really just trying to preserve it because it's so old and decrepit. And it also, any of them could just fall over at any point moment right but i feel like it would almost pose more of a danger to have all these people going in at <laughs> so once on instead one- of 10 people on a day let's just do ten thousand in one day right like what yeah. also like do they only open it on the solstice because like i don't know like the energy on the solstice of these people going in or whatever is like feeding the star gods right. yeah. i don't know could be. could be something fucking weird like that could be you never know or maybe that's what keeps the queen alive. Oh, my God. We figured it <laughs> That's out. That's her secret. That's the secret. <laughs> she gets her energy from the summer solstice. 10,000 people gathered in Stonehenge. Energy collected. Beamed across the land. Straight into straight. her life. Okay, listen. If we were being monetized at all, uh huh, we would probably just be demonetized right then. <laughs> no, we would be... Mon- oh, yeah. yeah. We, well, we would probably be... Uh, not alive and then they would take our recordings and delete them oh if it was real yes if it was real oh wait no, if it, you guys it, never hear this you know the truth <laughs> so if you never hear this you're never hearing this oh my god oh no what do we do <laughs> somebody heard it at some point so yeah that was uh that was my coverage of stonehenge Oh, man, I don't want it to be over yet. I know. I was really into it. Yeah, there's uh, some other uh, there's some other parts to it that I didn't really quite get into, like the, um, the neo-paganism movement mm-hmm. that started, uh, they wanted to start doing rituals there again um, in this, this new age neo-paganistic mm-hmm. uh, community. They wanted to start reenacting rituals there, but they were uh, de- denied. So the neo-pagans started setting up makeshift stone hinges in different parts of the world and doing the rituals. I was going to say they should just have like a reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I did also find, I didn't write this on here, but I, I did find near Stonehenge, I believe there's another site called Woodhenge that's almost similar in construction, but was made entirely out of logs, which... Also, they estimate that Stonehenge itself, the actual site, was originally made 
with logs. There was logs there first, and then they switched it to stones. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. So all of these, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I feel like that must mean that all of these weird monuments or whatever have to be connected because they're just scattered around all nearby there and there's always crop circles in the uk it has to be to me it has to be extraterrestrial i mean how did they do this right it's pretty wild like i mean and i don't it's literally making my head hurt yeah and the thing about that era specifically the neolithic era is that there was no known like there was no known documentation of anything that happened not just stonehenge like just anything everything's just purely speculation as to what happened just by you know just by carbon dating and finding yeah pottery and bones and whatever they just they just try to build this story about what happened really it's just a really cool topic and i'm glad that i ended up looking into it because there's so much more to it than i ever knew yeah i mean even the bit that we did get into today that i mean i didn't know like hardly any of that stuff yeah i also didn't know hardly anything so that's crazy yeah it was really fun researching and which is why I love doing this, you know, know. and like, and all we're doing really is giving us and the people listening just enough information, you know, to open your minds and think about it a little bit more, you know, and if you want to, you can go dive into it so much deeper, you know, and that's why I love all of these topics and uh, really love everybody else joining in with us and and learning. And that's just the whole point of this is just spread the knowledge about some particularly peculiar stuff. That's right. So anyway, make sure to like, comment, follow, subscribe on all of the social medias. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button. Otherwise, you can go to our website at www.particularlypeculiar.com. And you can find a lot of information about us and some other links, clickable links to find us in other locations. Yeah, you guys, a big one that we are hoping to get going soon is, of course, our merch. As soon as we have merch out, we will let you know. Mm -hmm. But another thing that we want to mention is our listener support um, tab. If you guys would like to help out the show, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um, We do not have any monetization at this point. And nope. we just want to be able to keep bringing you guys content and put on the best possible show that we can for you guys. Absolutely. Um, and of course, we know times is tough. They so are. if yeah, you our, can give. Our opening uh, giving starts at $1 a month. But even just having you guys along for the ride and knowing that you guys are listening to us week after week is enough for us. Yeah, it is really, really cool. And I, I'm enjoying engaging with some of you uh, through Instagram now. We have been receiving uh, some messages and some comments, and we've been chatting with some other podcasters and also some other listeners out there. So thanks for that. And feel free to get a hold of us. I mean, we're just regular people. So <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and we, we love to chat, obviously. That's right. We are so happy that you guys enjoy what we are doing. We enjoy it too, and we just love bringing that to you all 
100. 100. 100. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well. Until next time, we will see you again. Our, our peculiar, peculiar people. people.